Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to another exciting and fun episode with Guest House Edition with our uh, co-host, uh, John Patrick Robbins. John, thank you very much for being on board. Oh, it's great to be on the show, Mark. This is the first edition of Guest House in the year 2020, so it's always great. And, and this one uh, is going to be on a topic. Uh, it's episode 107, and the topic is going to be our literary influences, meaning you know, uh, mine and, and John's. We want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the people that influenced us. And maybe that's something not only can you, you can learn from them, but also you can enjoy and share with it because some of them might actually be yours as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's probably a little bit surprising some of the people that did influence us. I mean, we. <laughs> we I think we have a couple that me and you coincide with, but for the most part, we, we're pretty much in, in different corners on things. And that's fine yeah. because that's how yeah. people are. They have different personalities. Certain things gravitate to them. Other, others, others do not. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I prefer that anyway. I don't want us to always be agreeing on everything. It'll, it'll sound like that. You know, we don't have any any brains. We just connected together, and you know that's not <laughs> true. Even though we got a couple of people out there in the audience that that think uh, we, we have no brains, and you know, but hey, <laughs> that's that's just jealous folks from from people who, who who wear weird hats and act strange. That's all. Yeah, we deal with quite a few of those. So <laughs> let's get down to the these influences. I know, I know, you definitely got uh, got yours, and I got mine. So I guess uh, you gonna go first, Mark? <laughs> no, you you could go first. We could go back and forth. No one says we have to do half the show with John's stuff and half the show's remark stuff. This is not mailbag. We can kind of okay. go back and forth as it comes across our mind, because you yeah. know, a lot of times when you think about something like this. You don't have mm-hmm. some grocery list like we're going like you're going to the damn supermarket. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you have the first couple that really uh, have, have pressed upon you. Then later on, as you're talking about it, you remember a few yeah. more, and that's probably what's going to happen here. Yeah. Well. Uh, okay. Then uh, definitely um, somebody I would say was a really big influence on my writing, and, and it's probably not a big shock. Uh, it might might be a little bit. It probably because I do don't mention him quite as much as uh, uh, Jack Kerouac because I remember uh, the first time I picked up. Of course, I love many writer. You know, uh, first time I read On the Road, I just liked that whole you know that freestyle of writing. Just how how he was so, and, and also gritty. I've always liked everything that was kind of gritty and. And definitely, you know, out there. So <laughs> once he, he could be, um, he was definitely an interesting character. We also shared the same birthday, oddly enough. How cool. And, uh, yeah, and he was a really big, uh, the Beats, well, I was really into the Beats, but uh, Kerouac in particular, I just liked the way he almost had, uh, really even in his, his narrative, everything he did really have a great poetic sense to it. And I kind of, that always, I always connected to that. And I just like the way, you know, you could blur the line, you know, because like a lot of people, I think I'd watched a documentary not long ago where uh, Burroughs 
had mentioned that people always thought took everything he everything he put down on the page as complete truth, and a lot of it was fiction. And he just was great at taking characters that were based loosely on people, but then would also you know blur that line with fiction. Of course, uh, I'm kind of known to do that myself, so yeah. it, it's uh, John's deal. Yep. Yeah, I mean, definitely. So that it was a huge, huge influence on me. And that, and I always liked how, I mean, like when I read books like Big Sur, once you you really kind of see the disintegration of a writer, you know, who kind of, I just, I like that kind of vulnerability too. I like people that can kind of go there and and do different things. And I, I was a really, really big Kerouac fan, actually. Once I know most people, like I said, you, there, there's the obvious ones that we, you know, <laughs> but then again, I know how many writers have been uh, been inspired by those those names we've mentioned a million times. But um, and I'll definitely mention again. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Kerouac was definitely one of those early ones that really got me on into discovering other writers. When, like I said, when I read On the Road, that was kind of it for me. I just uh, absolutely loved that book. And still love it and still go back. I'm one of those people that will reread something just to get the the language in my head. And it's just it, it whenever I'm kind of getting I wouldn't say in a block, but getting in a funk with writing and I just kind of go, you know, I turn to those because that's the people who I was influenced by more that, you know, I like to kind of get that. I don't know. It just helps me. So, yeah, that that was one of mine. So. <laughs> That's a that's a big one that a lot of people uh, talk about, especially if they're old enough to understand about what he was trying to do. He was never mm. a big influence for me. I was familiar with his work. Uh, I mm. always respected that he went on the road and and tried to do this. I mean, he did that you know live. It wasn't some you know little artistic thing. He was trying to do something serious. So God bless yeah. him for that. And I always laughed that him and Albert Camus, the the existentialist uh, philosopher writer. Were like the two coolest writers I knew that that smoked cigarettes that looked cool doing it. So I always thought that was funny because I used to be a smoker for a long time and so I quit almost 15 years ago. But I always mm. thought I'm like these guys look cool smoking. I love this, you know. Mm. I always thought that was hilarious. But yeah, he's he's a he's a big guy for for a lot of people. So I'm not I'm not terribly surprised, and I could see why uh, you you would be influenced, especially since uh, you know he was somebody that. Um, he had that that connection with people. He also had that connection with the outdoors, and you know, certainly that whole hippie Montauk thing is, you know, <laughs> to me it, it it almost speaks John in some ways. So I, I I can I can see the connection, man, and, and I appreciate you sharing it with us. I know some of our our writers that are listening will, will probably also make a connection, especially the older ones, because then they really remember him. You know, because yeah. uh, the older you are, I'm telling you, more people remember, you know, Jack Kerouac. In fact, I last year picked up a book called Why Jack Kerouac Matters. That's the name of the book. And actually, <laughs> it gave the whole breakdown about why what he was doing was important and why he was uh, what he what he did with that book and, and how it made an impact in more than just literature, but also in, in even just the American sense of, of making a connection with people and learning something about the character of the country, which he did, which I don't know if that was his original intention, but he wound up doing it anyway. I don't know if a lot of people know this as a sort of a trivial thing, yeah. but there was um, there was a, um, a French writer named Tocqueville, Alexander Tocqueville, in the 1800s. 
he did something similar to what Kerouac did uh, more than a hundred and something years later. And he mm-hmm. also wrote a book about it, you know, and uh, it, it wound up being about the character of the nation and the American spirit. And in many ways, that's what Kerouac wind up doing, even though he didn't realize what he was doing was also that too. So it's pretty, it's pretty uh, clever. And it's also a, a more historical book than people really give him credit for. So, you know, he ought to be in the, in the bigger uh, halls of fame and maybe he's not as much, but you know, he definitely belongs there in my book. And I'm not even his greatest fan, but I, I definitely appreciate what he had to do. No doubt about it. Yeah, he was uh, uh, one of those guys that definitely, uh, like I said, I just like the freedom in his words and, and how he spoke directly to that page. And that's just the, with everybody that I've ever been influenced by that were very, I always liked that grit as well. And there's some others who were far a little bit more rough, but. He was a uh, he was an interesting character, just in the the total freedom of going with the story, even if it didn't make sense, just go with it, and uh, that that's what I really admired about his work. So yeah, so definitely. Thank <laughs> so, you, thank you, John, for that. Yeah. All right, well, one of my biggest uh, influences, and it's apparent in some of my writings, and, and even sometimes when I speak about it, we did a show on him, Alex Huxley. Mm-hmm. Now, he was huge on me because once I read Brave New World, I understood that. And then, of course, I read his other nonfiction book, Brave New World Revisited, which is pretty awesome. He made the connection between how uh, technology and science can actually uh, warp how you treat humanity, how you even become human or less human, and even, and even how we can erode governments and, 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 and make us have less freedom. Um, mm-hmm. I remember listening, uh, after I read the book, I remember borrowing one of the audio cassettes from the library and I wind up never returning it. Mm. <laughs> I don't recommend this because uh, many years later when I got out of the Air Force, I went over to the library and I told her, listen, I took this, I'm sorry. She goes, hey, keep it. We probably wrote it off a long time ago. And I'm like, that's great because I think you're hot and we should have lunch. <laughs> so it all worked out pretty good. I got, I got a date with a hot-looking librarian after I confessed I stole some shit from the library 20-something years ago. So what a hell of a wow. deal that was. Yeah. I can't even make this stuff up. It's all true. Nah, well, that's, yeah. that's the way to go about it, boss. I, sometimes you got to make the best of what you have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, that worked out nice. And um, But I that, that had a lasting impact on me because I, I've read a number of his works along those lines as well. I mean, he wrote a lot of other things too. I mean, he's... He's famous for a, a number of important books. Uh, he wrote about uh, a book called The Devils of London about how um, these uh, um, pr- these uh, nuns in this uh, this uh, convent had, had believed that uh, somebody was possessed by the devil and how that kind of like all messed with their heads. That was pretty interesting. He wrote about mm-hmm. a priest that conducted a war for the Vatican and, and how that warped him from being a religious man to pretty much mm-hmm. becoming a ruthless general in a, in a in a bloody war so that i always liked that as well but um i can't really ever shake what huxley was talking about because to me he made the most sense i mean the other comparison with him is george elwell with 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 1984 and, and people make comparisons with the communist governments but in the end that sort of thing is very limited. You only can run by fear so much in, in, in the world before people get tired of that and they revolt against you. Mm. Huxley had it more right that the future 
if the people wanted to enslave you, the best way to do that was to give you drugs, free sex, and a whole bunch of distractions because there's nothing better than a slave that doesn't realize it's a damn slave. That was the ultimate gimmick. Not what Aura was doing, like always put you at war and deprive you of sex and half starve you, and somehow that was going to work. That was never going to work in the long term. But Huxley's idea of how to control a government or even the world one day, yeah, that's more like what people would do. They wouldn't even think about it until it was it was too damn late. Yeah. I mean, he was an incredible writer. I, I remember uh, actually getting a copy of a Brave New World, and it was just one of those things where you can just go, it, it, I don't know why the library had this, but it was just books you could just take, and here it was sitting, and I thought, well, you know, I never read it, and... <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, there's so many books that I just took it upon myself to read that you would think you read in school, and I just didn't. I was one of those that just uh, I loved to read. So if it was there, and definitely um, yeah, way ahead of his time and uh, innovator in a yes, lot of ways. Yes, folks, don't forget about that. Yeah. This is not a dude that's writing about this stuff in the mm-hmm. 1960s. This guy wrote this in 1938. Before they even before World War Two even started, and some a lot of people don't realize it was World War Two that really boosted our technological know-how between the Nazis with their rocket experiments and us uh, experimenting with the nuclear bomb. World War Two really set the motion for us to all learn about technology and how it changed the future. Radar, microwaves, all that crap came out of World War Two because of a, a screwball with a bad mustache, you know, and um. He did this before all that yeah. crap even came about. So that just really shows you how, how much he was mm-hmm. thinking about things and how it, had, it really made a lasting influence and impact. Yeah, yeah it definitely was. And like I said, such an innovator that it, it, it really is uh, amazing when you think how advanced. Well, then again, just with that style in general, people who – I'm not going to say science fiction, but people who write in that style seem to always be ahead of the curb and everything. So it's, you know, it is amazing when you think about it, the era he wrote that stuff and, and how things have went. Yeah, we, we only had, yeah, we only had it, planes for like 20 years. I mean, come on. It's got mm-hmm. something else. It mm-hmm. really was. But like yeah, all it, of our influences, they all have a little bit of weirdness to them. So he was a, a man with constant <laughs> health issues. Uh, he, he he did a menage a trois with his wife and some other woman because he was a weirdo in that regard. You know, um, he died of tongue cancer because he smoked a damn pipe from like I think when he was age four to like sixty something. So mm. he had a lot of a lot of strange uh, uh, things to himself. Typically British guy, but in the end, um, here's a guy that said I don't believe in God, and he spent his entire life trying to find out if there was spiritual, uh, you know, uh, influences out there in the universe. And of course, he was one of the first writers to experiment with magic mushrooms to see if the Indians were, were looking into another dimension and write two books about it. So it wasn't even the drug user. The guy just wanted to find out what the hell they were seeing. Yeah. He wanted to know yeah. if there was any validity to it, and apparently there was some validity to it. Apparently, <laughs> if you take mushrooms, you will see other dimensions. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah, there you go. I, I, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, definitely... Uh... Yeah, that's that's interesting. I know. I didn't know I was an innovator as well. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, uh, it, it's it is strange. Writers are all colorful characters. That's one thing about it. I mean, you can't uh, you can't argue that. I mean, 
<laughs> well was definitely a uh, unique to say the least when it comes to that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, what's yeah. the what's the next one on your list uh, if you have a you know? Uh, okay, I, I decided to put one on my list that people probably would never associate with me, but I don't care. This is this will give them a good laugh. But probably the the one of the earliest influences on me because I absolutely love the book. Would would be uh, the Hobbit. Once is J.R.R. Tolkien. Hey, you can't Once, mess with him. I mean, I absolutely, and it's weird because it really wasn't. I was a really young kid when I got into that, and uh, this is you know just so I, any younger listeners like yeah, it's way before they had movies on this stuff, you know? and uh, uh, I absolutely loved the Hobbit, and of course then read the whole trilogy of the lord of the rings um i just was fascinated with how you could create a whole world i mean that and even to this day people who do fantasy writing i that it just amazes me because it just seems like i'm too lazy that's why i write about people you know <laughs> i can barely keep up with my characters names let alone have a whole world in their own language yeah, but yeah else. tolkien was uh one of those guys that really fascinated me um I was really highly and really early was one of the early, early, early influences that I was into because I just I absolutely loved those books. I pretty much read anything I could that get my hands on, you know, uh, him essays. It didn't matter what it was. I was just fascinated with the way he wrote and uh, and created because he was a, a definitely intelligent cat. And he was uh, I talk about stuff that's an endearing. I mean, it's, you know. It, it's because didn't his uh, I believe his son just passed away. Yeah, his recently. son, his son edited uh, his last book before he died, and also all his yeah. his letters. Uh, I'm going to be doing mm -hmm. a, a spotlight show on him sometime in the next couple months. Him and C.S. Lewis and a few others that are coming yeah. up. So yes, yes, I'm, I'm an incredible influence, uh, a, a real giant among among writers. And uh, yeah. some interesting interesting facts about this guy is. The whole Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, is all about his experiences in World War One. Remember, mm -hmm. World War One was the was the time when we had a we had warfare that was so absolutely brutal that the United Nations had to get involved later on and, and put in a, a ban against against chemical weapons because these guys were using chemical weapons against each other. Uh, Tolkien was so scarred from his experiences and from the chemical weapons, by the way, it damaged his lungs for the rest of his life, that. He came back and he wrote those books because what he had discovered, and that's what he was talking about with the friendship and the One Ring, was because that meant the one, the one, one world war. Remember, it's supposed to be the war that end all wars. Mm -hmm. what, what, what Tolkien had discovered was one of the worst horrors of all. Was not that he survived the war, but that he survived the war, went home and found every single one of his friends, and just about every male person his age were all dead from his town. Yeah, it was only women left and a couple old dudes. They had to mm. import women from other parts of England just for people to get married because there was nobody left. Yeah, it's just uh, incredible. It... So he he was scored by that, just like Rod Sterling from World War Two on the Japanese islands. A lot of writers were scored from war, and, and and it became a big part of what what they what they were doing. And, and so Tolkien was a was a big big part of that sort of thing. And, and you'll notice that the main themes in all his books all revolve around loyalty and friendship mm -hmm. and persevering and beating up the bad guy. 
Yeah, it was those books though. I just they're so rich. They're just they're fantastic storytelling. I mean, and you look at many people have uh, one Simon. There's a couple people I think blatantly rip them off, but you know, <laughs> I guess you're doing something great when people kind of copy and imitate what yeah. you do. There's some uh, you know very 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 famous uh, children's author. I'm not an enormous fan of. That uh, <laughs> I could see quite a bit of influence it's a, in there. It's a blueprint for lots of things. So what are you going to do? Remember, this is the guy that did this, guys, only a couple of years after World War II. I think it was 48 that The Hobbit came out. So it's it's something yeah. that, yeah, it came out only a couple of years after World War II. And he didn't expect he was going to do any more sequels to it. He thought that was going to be the story. He didn't realize mm-hmm. it was going to it was going to take off well enough to where, you know, they wanted yeah. him to do more. You know, and, and of course, yeah. you know, the other three books afterward are a lot darker than, than, than The Hobbit was. Yeah. And, I, and I've always heard he always wanted that done as one book originally. Once I thought was was like, well, that you talk about the telephone book. <laughs> make and make war make war and peace look look, look 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 like a damn chapbook, you know? Yeah. That was I mean that that was amazing when you think about it. that was all gonna be one book. You know the whole the whole uh you know fellowship Lord of the Rings was going to be one book. I mean that is incredible and yeah that's that's like I said I'm way too lazy to do stuff like that. So <laughs> I'm not lazy. So it's just no that that always it amazes me and uh, really open. I just you know it, that's definitely something especially when you're younger. Um, as I was when I was reading that, it was a great escape. Because it was an escape into a whole other world, and it was amazing, and I love that writing, and I still, and I do like fantasy writing, oddly enough. Um, and it, sometimes you look at the influences I had, and the way I write is completely different. But you know, they all definitely, you know, they, you learn a lot. But that, uh, but Tolkien was one I, I could not not mention because he's just. Uh, I just absolutely loved him. I loved the, those books and thought they were out, outstanding, still do. And obviously they are because they're still endearing to people. So they're going to live on way beyond me. So. <laughs> they, you know, they're going to they're gonna live on. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately those books live on, not because little midgets are running around with big ass web feet or, or because, you know, uh, yeah. giant looking, uh, you know, dragon creatures are, are burning our ass with fire. They're going to live on because they have the essentials that are necessary for people to to love a story. Uh, people bonding yeah. together and fighting against against evil, understanding that friendship and teamwork are not just stupid words; they actually mean something, and you can get results from them. And also, there's a lot of there's a lot of sacrifice in that book. That book's not just all a bunch of you know ribbons and bows. If you recall the end of the book, I mean, people died in many ways. Hell. Uh, you know, um, yeah. Bilbo himself pretty much committed suicide by going with the other elf people. So, uh, because he couldn't stand living around people anymore because of all the things he did that were bad, you know, in mm-hmm. order to get to, to get the job done. So it corrupted him in many ways as well. And I don't think he could take yeah. that. He wrote the book and got the hell out of there. So no. I think Tolkien uh, made sure that we had a realistic view of things, that it wasn't always going to be some Disney thing. Yeah. That's true. It's not a. Uh, it's not definitely. It's not a pretty book or even a remotely happy book. I mean, good. You know, triumphed over evil, but there was a. You know, there was a heck of a price to be paid. 
as there is in any any war and uh it, it that's it is it really is a great story and uh he was an incredible writer so definitely an influence <laughs> All right, that was pretty awesome. I don't think anyone would have expected that, but it's always great to talk about somebody wonderful and what kind of influence they've had. Hopefully, some of you folks will will hear that as well and you know and share in that sort of uh, uh, glory in in a, in a way mm-hmm. to be excited about somebody that you know that takes you to another place and and in many ways kind of helps restore your faith and in, in, in maybe in people and, and particularly in in writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my next uh, major influence has always been Poe. I've always wanted to do a couple of horror stories, even though I knew that wasn't going to be my own genre going forward. <laughs> and I did. I did a few of them, and I'm and I'm happy. I might mm-hmm. even do a few more. But uh, I always liked Poe because, in the end, the greatest thing about Poe was not that he was trying to shock people, but it was obvious from from him being a writer's writer is that Poe always wrote what he lived, what he thought, and and what he felt. Poe was never going out there doing crap that you wouldn't think that was Poe. He he never stepped out as who he was. He was always honest with himself, maybe too honest with other people when he did his critiques, and maybe even too honest with himself because sometimes some of his writing could be pretty damn rough. But that man lived... A horrible and difficult suffering life with people dying all around him and, you know, always dealing with poverty and and, and then jealousy and all sorts of things. But in the end, Poe lived an authentic life and wrote sincerely about what he thought was necessary to write about. And it's really an example for all of us to try to follow. I mean, it's hard to be a, a master of everything. This is the man that is considered the inventor of the detective story. This is a man mm-hmm. that's considered one of the early science fiction writers. This is a man who is considered one of the early flash fiction writers. This is a man that's considered mm-hmm. in, in the top ten poets of the world. Poe was actually in that number. Can you believe that? So, I mean, in terms of everything this guy's ever done, he, he's at, at, at the, almost the top of the list. That's how much of a master he was. Imagine being master of all different genres and, and still dying... You know, a poor, unhappy man, and then of course living on forever, uh, which he, which he done, and which he, he will continue to do. I mean, one day we'll, we'll be sipping lattes, uh, you know, at Starbucks on Jupiter, and we'll be reading Poe. I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's how much he's gonna he's gonna continue on. Yeah, I mean, if you look at how many writers he and, and like many, I know one of the first uh, poets I was ever introduced to. I mean, he is just, and he connects so easily. And I've always loved the darkness and the, and, and the darker rights. And it, he was just perfect in that sense. And, and mysterious, too, because there's so much mystery, of course, even on his death. It's just, uh, I don't know, he, he was a truly incredible writer and poet and all around because he did it all. He did reviews. He did, you know, he was a writer's writer. He really was. And, and that's, you know, I mean, that's one thing I could say. Um, I've actually been to the museum that used to be its house, um, which is in Richmond. Um, it's just incredible. You know, he is uh, is one of those people that everybody knows who you're talking about when you mention That's when you know you've done something. <laughs> everybody knows who you are. And, yeah, I mean, you just... 
I mean, how many people that's the first poet they're really introduced to? I think it, a lot of people, I mean, especially in schools and everything else, you know, I mean, I mean, how many people know the Raven? And you think about it, it was just, uh, he didn't really, uh, well, he was respected, but as we know, definitely didn't get the respect he deserved when he was alive. But, I mean, he's went on to, you know, he's Poe. I mean, it's really what more can you say yeah, about I it. I mean, this, this, when you just have one name, okay, mm-hmm. and everybody recognizes that, that's when you know you really hit the big time. I mean, Madonna, Sting, Poe. I mean, don't mess around, okay? <laughs> you, can't, you can't mess around with that. You really can't. We're going to wind up doing a, a, a revisitation of him on another um, classic spotlight. We're going to wind up doing a sequel of Poe sometime this year uh, where we'll, yeah. we'll talk about more things we've discovered, maybe explore a little bit more of his other writings, and it, it'll be fun and, and interesting. I, I swear I think we could probably do 10 episodes and, and never get enough of, of, of Poe and, and how, how damn fascinating he was and, and, and how much of an influence he still reaches Way beyond the grave, and I don't mean in a horror sense. I just mean in a yeah. in a purely artistic, literary sense. But yeah, what what a fantastic uh, writer, and um, hell, I hope no one ever has to suffer the way that guy did. But um, he definitely uh, showed us the way uh, about how you could still persevere, be poor, press your your best suit that you have, which by the way I think was his only suit that he had. You know, because <laughs> here's the weird thing about this. They, they talk all this crap about this guy, but when you read people's letters about him and, and all this correspondence about him, wow, Poe Poe was magnetic around women. Wow, Poe was always so neat. Why, Poe, I, I thought he was supposed to be drunk. I don't see anything drunk about this guy. So they always had the most positive things to say about him. So you have to wonder yeah. some of the things you heard about him, or not only exaggerations, but uh, simply the, uh, the, the jealous comments of, you know, um, no good uh, uh, bum uh, writers that, of course, to this day, we don't know who they are because all we know is Poe. So uh, he outlasted them all as he should. Yeah, that that he did, and, and rightfully so, an incredible writer. So definitely, definitely a great, and, uh, you know, I, I, like I, said, I don't know anybody who writes who hasn't been a little bit influenced by him. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably get the most feedback on that. I agree. I definitely agree. You All know, right, uh, bat in the back to you. What, what we got next here, John? Okay, uh, like I said, I, I definitely you know I've got some other writers. I will have the the probably the ones everybody expects, but um, <laughs> uh, one that uh, you know that another one that probably people definitely would not connect with me. I was a really big uh, fan of uh, pulp writers and these little pulp magazines. And uh, one of those writers who would his still once again went on to legend. He was definitely not thought so in his time. Is H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, who I love. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but I love horror and I love that genre. And that's what I wanted to be. I really did not set out to write poetry or you know anything else. I really wanted to be a horror writer. And he. Um, he really, I was just fascinated with the way he could write about the dark and how he could also, it wasn't uh, like a lot of people nowadays who kind of go for more of the, you know, even the grotesque. He was just always good about writing about what you, you really didn't know about. And just, uh, I, I Lovecraft really uh, fascinated me and still does when you think about another guy that's lived on. I mean, 
<laughs> these these things he's created, Cthulhu and things like that, that create that whole mythos where writers kept continuing using his stuff. I mean, he um, he was an interesting character. He was definitely a strange, strange kind of person, but he uh, and sad in many ways. But he was a definitely somebody that, and I do have the complete works of him. So he's like, he's one of those that I just like the way he could, you know story and I've always uh, enjoyed I've always enjoyed a dark subject matter once I don't think that comes as shocking but a lot of people don't know I do write horror it's just I don't show it to a lot of people <laughs> but I definitely want to start putting out more and um, but yeah Lovecraft is one of those guys that uh, that really was a, uh, a big influence you can always tell a fan of Lovecraft because they actually pronounce Cthulhu right that's how you know yeah. that they're a Lovecraft fan, okay? Because before <laughs> before I heard of who even Lovecraft was, when I first heard that word, I, I thought mm-hmm. it was a Hungarian bladder disease. I didn't know it was actually a, <laughs> a damn storyline or something. So uh, mm-hmm. he came up with some interesting things right away just from that word alone. I mean, no one's ever come up with that. So he's definitely an yeah. interesting uh, a character. But the funny <laughs> thing about Lovecraft is the people that really, they really, uh, really dig him, they, they tend to like only dig him and don't really care about too many other horror writers. They almost like just love him and that's it. I find people be very <laughs> fanatical over that guy. Yeah, I, I'm not quite that way. I just liked how he could always kind of blend uh, just like this ancient evil that he would always be speaking about. You know, he just had some really different kind of storylines. But I I love horror writers and I really do. They're, that I, That's a completely different list on itself. Or in of itself, because I, but, um, yeah, the, sometimes with Lovecraft people, uh, they get a little bit out there. Oh, yeah, they got some, <laughs> they got some serious fan clubs, boy. They don't be playing around. No, uh, he was, um, you know, and, in in that same, there's, there's another one in that list that I'm going to mention too, but he's, uh, uh, he's one of those that, uh, that really, I just, I'd like to where he could go anywhere he wanted. You know, his stories were definitely weird. Some of them were just downright weird. I mean, they weren't all, you know, some gigantic monster that lived in another dimension in the ocean or wherever in the heck he lived. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, there was just something about him. And another thing I remember as a kid, I don't know why the name caught me. And then I just bought this little, because I was, a, I was a, I was a bookworm. And I just bought this little, one of those little, I forget who put it out, Valentine or somebody, just a little collection of a few stories. And, um, it, it it was like he just it just caught me, you know, because it, it was just it's different. It's definitely a different way of writing when you go from, I mean, some of the earlier horror writers I've read, like Stephen King, of course, and stuff like that. But then you go to Lovecraft, who was very different than that. Um, so yeah, and that influence is definitely there. I I really don't, you know. But then again. You know, we the way I write, people are always there's always the obvious ones that everybody wants to either pick on or or notice. But I mean, they're clear. But um, yeah, Lovecraft's definitely a big, big influence. Um, I just dig the way the guy could pen a story. Always have, always will. I hear you. I, I was never into the guy very much. I, I, I read a few of his stories. The only thing mm. I really liked about the guy is that. Um, for somebody who's into pretty much horror, uh, he had a very literary style to himself, very, very, very classic uh, 
individualistic mm. style that you're not going to see anybody else really do at all. So I always appreciate yeah. I always appreciate that because it just shows you how you know how brilliant and artistic he was. But um, yeah, yeah, it was never really big <laughs> beyond that with him. I mean, God bless him, though. Mm. Well, like I say, he's one of them guys that everybody knows. That's the thing. Everybody knows who you're talking about. Oh, yeah. if, if they don't, they, they've heard the name or they've seen the influence because look how much stuff people have borrowed or taken. And that's another thing. They kind of take from that, that style or, or add to that mythos that people have done. And he really wanted it continued. The writers that admired him when he passed really wanted to continue on. And they kept his friends like a, uh, another guy really influenced by Robert E. Howard uh, used that and, and add it to those mythos themselves. They were they were really good uh, friends. And uh, so, yeah, that, it's just amazing when that, that happens and stuff like that continues on and other writers add to it. And I, it's just unique. I, it's really impressed me. So, you know, his life was definitely an, <laughs> sad in most cases. Uh but he was a unique character. I always like characters. <laughs> oh, there you go. They got one right there. That's for sure. <laughs> mm. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to my uh, to next one over here. Um, ironic as this might sound to people, but anyone knows that a lot of my writing has a social bent to it. So I've always gravitated to uh, to the uh, to the African American writer James Baldwin. You would think, mm. well, what the heck does connection this has with me? Well, I always felt the connection was that the guy, for a nonfiction writer, it was still very creative. He had a, had, a, had a real nice uh, southern kind of gospel, you know, a, a twang to, to to the writing. But I, I always felt that it was it was direct. It wasn't very harsh, but it really kind of brought people's attention. So some of the things that was going on in the country and, and ways that hopefully uh, can can improve life and. And, and just to be able to stand out and say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm here and I matter, and I shouldn't be uh, put down because I'm different. And I always appreciate that because I always feel that in the end, I don't matter what, what, what race you come from, writers ought to know already that we're in our own little class, and therefore people are going to be ostracizing us. They're going to be ridiculing us. They're going to be trying to separate us. They are also going to try to discriminate against us. No different mm -hmm. if you're part of a, a, a certain religion or, or, or a certain racial group. And writers are actually fit in that group. They're the built-in outsiders, whether they like it or not. So I always, I always can appeal from that standpoint of the outsider. You know? and, mm -hmm. and I really, I really like that fellow. He had very, very interesting uh, books out, especially The Fire Next Time, which was like uh, one of the first books I read that pretty much all it was was a giant essay in a small book. And it's just... Mm -hmm. Amazing how well it was written, how well it, it flowed, uh, how he even used some of the biblical uh, allegories in it to it to make his point, you know, because that was one of the things that God had told Noah when Noah said, you know, are you going to flood us again once we get, you know, become jerks? And he's like, no, it'll be a fire next time. <laughs> what a great line. <laughs> Thanks, God. You're not going to drown us next time. You're just going to burn us. I appreciate that. But that's what he said. <laughs> so it was yeah. a, hell of a hell of a title for a book. I'm like, great. Yeah, well, definite trailblazer. That that one got me there. I didn't I didn't expect that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I, so another reason why I did the uh, the 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 show on him because I I found him so so interesting yeah. and fascinating and and also I don't I don't want this to sound too strange, but sometimes when you're a when you're a black writer and and you feel like 
this is how you need to speak to a black audience. Sometimes that's all you're doing is speaking to the black audience. And when somebody else reads that, they might not always catch everything you're talking about or all the stories that you're bringing about or even the way you use certain language. And that's not a criticism. It just means that sometimes it's much harder to grasp. Where James Baldwin, he always felt like he was writing in a universal style. I never felt I had to go brush up on my blackness or try to learn more about civil rights. He'd just tell you everything right there. And, and that made him, I, I thought, an extra special communicator. Well, he definitely was. I mean, it's, it's like it, one thing with all these people you mentioned, it, pretty much everybody knows the name. Even if they do not know the writer, and I think everybody does. Um, you know, especially p our people who listen because our audience is the best. So, thank you. <laughs> the audience that don't exist, but they're the best. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I know we had to mention that, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think definitely our listeners yeah, pretty much know everybody that we're speaking of. And if you, if you don't, you should check them out. Um, because sometimes, you know, sometimes we just never do check people out, but it'll be new to you, and uh, it's definitely worth a read. But, yeah, I mean, Baldwin was a complete trailblazer, and, yeah, and definitely worth the read. Incredible writer as well. Um, Yeah, that, that, like you said, that one threw me. You got me there. Oh, well, I, didn't... <laughs> I guess we got to throw each other now and then. And listen, folks, is this a little inside joke between me and John? But just to clue you in, we had some, some weirdo – uh, dollar store cowboy hat wearer from the Midwest uh, criticized us at a, at a jealousy and, and hatred and, and, pretty yeah. much, and pretty much said that uh, no one listens to the show and, and, made, <laughs> and made comments about episodes, which meant that if no one's listening to the show, this guy was. And so that makes no sense. Yeah. So no one's listening to the show but you and, and you're going to criticize us. Yeah, thanks. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that. go get your own show. Go go into your own life. I mean, all we can yeah. do is pray for your soul, because sometimes folks like that, they're miserable people, and uh, it almost makes me want to vote for legalizing pot, just because I think he might need some. Yeah, well, I don't think that's the problem. I think he's just upset he can't uh, plagiarize hee-haw, but, um, you know, there you go. It's all, it's all, you know, sorry it's already been created, but not really original. <laughs> No, nah, I know that'll get me heat, but that's okay. But like I said, yeah, when you, yeah, when you promote something and then you turn, when people have to remember this. When people, just on a really quick note, when people turn on things so quickly, it's usually just all jealousy. And we've mentioned that a hundred times. So enough said on that. We know who listens and we appreciate every listener. So. Thanks for the questions <laughs> so, and everything. So I definitely, even the, even the ones that give me a hard time, I still appreciate it because at least I know you're listening, <laughs> you know? I mean, you you can't you can't get right. you can't get hate email if no one's listening. They have to be listening to give you hate mail. So, kind of works out actually. And of course, That's it true. defeats what this, this person was saying. Nobody's listening but me. Okay, great. Thanks for being there. <laughs> Same person I used to promote the show. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's just amazing. But you know, hey, that's 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 what happens when you do these things behind the scenes. You're gonna get some uh, strange, yeah. strange people now and then. All right, let's see if we get another yeah. one over there from you, John. Okay, I'm going to mention one that I was, especially when I was at that, you know, I was a, once I was a teenager, it's hard to believe I'm mentally still one, but, uh, you know, as many people think, but uh, one a book that really, not, I wouldn't say the overall body of this poet, writer, but a book in particular that connected with me and by a very, very well-known poet, 
and writer, uh, Jim Carroll, uh, Basketball Diaries. Uh, Once, uh, as much as I love, and, and that probably would be the least shocking because as much as I love a kind of, and I do sometimes go there with very dark subject matter and, and very gritty subjects, uh, that was one of the first that when I started seeing that, that people could show such harshness. And I, I do, I do like things to be shown as they are. I don't like things sugarcoated and definitely was a really big influence because when I, uh, read that book, I thought, you know, wow, you can just go out there and just, you know, say it as it is and definitely don't hold back. I know I don't, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, that was Carol was uh, a, a drug addict, uh, you know, you name it. Um, but there's also a lot to be learned from his uh, his story, and uh, I was just fascinated with just the blunt honesty and the willingness to go there. And that's the thing that is really it is fearless when you're willing. To show even the bad sides of yourself, because a lot of people can paint themselves up as a hero. Very few times are people gonna, you know, show their real sides, all sides of themselves. And and I do admire that. And uh, that I, I like people who can go deep. And he definitely could. But that book, I was in particular, you know, I mean, it's like anything. I thought I was a writer <laughs> at the time, and then read the book, and I was just blown away by it. So that that's a, a really big influence on me, and he was, but particularly that book. Once I know, yes, they did a film on, but I actually read the book. So and it's you know it's it's kind of a weird all over the place book. Very you know it, they did base a movie on it, but you know if you read the book like anything to me the books are always better. Yeah. But um yeah he his just uh to show addiction the way he did um. And without it's just unflinching. It's uncomfortable when you make the reader uncomfortable. I think that's good sometimes because mm -hmm. I just think you have to challenge the reader. Sometimes you can't just make everything the same with a you know. It's like watching the same movie a hundred times. Who wants to do that? <laughs> Unless you're really really into it. I mean, I, I probably yeah. seen, uh, like The Godfather like fifty times at least. Well, that's yeah, that's great. You know. <laughs> great. Yeah, shout to Mario Puzo. How you say his name? Excuse yeah, me. I know I'm gonna. You got it. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad. I don't want him to come visit me. No. <laughs> a great film. Yeah, I mean, but no, that that's what I mean. I just uh yeah, I just admire people that can go there and and sometimes go there with I just I just like really gritty type work and that's one of those that was it definitely was an unflinching book and controversial. So, yeah. And so Jim Carroll definitely and he did a lot of different things, including music as well, which I was also a fan of. So, yeah, Carol was uh, just uh, really did fascinate me. He he was in definitely a colorful, once again, colorful character. So, like, that's all I seem to be drawn to. But, you know, they they could all write. Here's the common denominator. No matter how nuts they were, they were all writers. And they could all pen, you know, so. <laughs> I, I really think... Uh, more than other artistic, uh, uh, it, maybe I'm just being, uh, you know, um, biased, and that's fine. But I really think that writers, more than all the other arts, uh, bring a, a greater scope to humanity because p 
people can really get into something that you're writing if it has a connection and learn about something. It's just much harder to do when you're like, yeah, this this sculpture is about racism, how it's wrong. I mean, you don't really get the <laughs> message. You know, this painting is about, you know, rape during wartime. I mean, unless there's like soldiers raping women, what the hell does the painting mean then? You know, and the same thing with... Uh, with a musical piece, you, you don't always get the same kind of scope that, that writers can do. We could really do it justice. I I don't know a lot about Jim Carroll. Um, I know a little bit about that book, but I never read it because it's really not the kind of stuff I normally read. Yeah. So it's probably one of the few examples that ever on, on this show where I didn't actually read the damn book he's talking about. God bless him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't mind admitting that. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you I read everything, yeah. but I, I usually try to keep up on, on, a, on a great deal of stuff. And I'm probably a, yeah. a little bit more well-read than most people. But um, definitely not in, into that one. But I, I know, I know, you know, on a cliff note, you know, kind of a notion about what it's about. But I mm-hmm. always, even though I'm not into that kind of material, I always praise the people that are willing to do that because uh, to be um, that honest with the world, well, then you have to first be that honest with yourself. And when when someone's struggling with those sort of things, that's probably the first thing that's going to be difficult for them to do because if anyone knows anything about alcoholism or addiction, you know, uh, being honest with yourself is like 50% of the battle just right there. That's right. That's the, the first step. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> it's a, uh, no, that, yeah, that book was, uh, it, it, uh, it really does show the descent of a very young person into heroin addiction and going from, you know, being, uh, an athlete and going into just losing everything. Into being a basically a junkie, and it, it's uh, I don't know. It's not. It doesn't ever try to paint anything more than it is, and that's what I like about it. It just shows how, and it definitely can teach in a lot of ways because it's not. It it shows you how bad this stuff is and how it how you know. He didn't mind showing his demons. I'll put it that way, and that's what I respected. When I read it, I was kind of blown away by how you know out there it could get. And uh, and how brutally honest and like I said, it made me uncomfortable. So that's a good thing, you know. It it, it was like God, this is you know wrong. <laughs> but it's you know if it shocks you in any way, it's saying something. It's making you feel something, and definitely something you wouldn't be exposed to normally. So yeah, I I always kind of and I do respect any writer who can do that. Um, any artist in general that can do that because you know, even if I don't dig it, it, it takes a lot of courage to do that. So, yeah, that was and probably not that shocking of an influence because, I mean, <laughs> you know, um, I'm definitely not a children's writer, <laughs> which, which yeah. is a hard task in itself. So, mm-hmm. you know, people yeah. people make fun of Dr. Seuss all day long, but they all remember reading all his stories and how much of an influence he had. In fact, we had a writer, I believe it was Lynn Long, that literally confessed that that was one of her literal influences was Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and I didn't even I didn't even uh, bat an eye because not only did it make sense from her own life story and the sort of stuff that she was trying to do, but also yeah. because I always liked Dr. Seuss. It's kind of hard to make fun of somebody that can come up with rhymes that are interesting and, and, and tell deep stories because uh, you think about it, a lot of the Dr. Seuss stories, they're, they're not as corny as they seem. When you you look into them a little deeper, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, crap, this is about prejudice. Oh, crap, this is about, you know, connecting with your, with your community. Oh, crap, this is about your parents. I mean, so there's some interesting stuff there. And that, that guy did an incredible amount with uh, seemingly making it look simple. 
Any guy that can invent his own words is fine with me. I, I can barely spell the ones I know. So yeah, he was <laughs> he was incredible. And uh, yeah, Doctor Seuss. You know, you can't. I mean, I don't know how anybody could really make fun of the guy because once again, everybody knows him. I mean, who doesn't know like green eggs and ham? Pretty much every kid. I, I think that they do sometimes because they they mix up Doctor Seuss with stupid cartoon movies or Disney crap that don't have any real depth. It's just a bunch of crap so they can sell you some $5 to $10 toys at the store next week. That's all they're doing this crap yeah. for. It's just a giant infomercial for some more crap yeah. that they want to sell you. Where Dr. Seuss is not is not the same. He's, they're actually trying to import serious lessons about life. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, well, what, what's another? And I'm having fun with this list because I've I've got a few more. So what what would be next on the list there? Oh, for me? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I I always I always liked, in in many ways, uh, Dickens. Even though he's very uh, uh, considered old fashioned, uh, yeah. I was always taken back by great great expectations. That was the first <laughs> book I really read about him in in school. My mother mm -hmm. used to make me read certain things and write reports on it, but she was never a Dickens fan. So I never wrote anything about Dickens or ever even read anything about Dickens until I went to regular school. And that's when I yeah. had great expectations. I'm like, oh, my God, this is one hell of a book. Who is this dude? And then I realized he was the guy that did the Christmas Carol, which we take mm -hmm. for granted. But it's actually a novella and a really, really strong one at that to be able to impart serious, positive messages. You don't get a lot of stories that are very positive. I mean, Christmas Carol is about as positive as you can get, giving you the ultimate message that no matter how much of a dick you are, you could still change your life and end it in a positive way and even impact other people's lives. And that's what that was about. The guy was like an old dude. I mean, we don't know how long he lived after um, the Christmas Carol was over with, but I can guarantee you he didn't live a whole lot of years. But whatever the hell they were, they were they were great and positive, and they probably made up for being a stingy asshole that he was for the last sixty or seventy <laughs> years, you know. So that 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 in itself is a hell of a piece of writing. Wow. Well, why don't you say what you really think? Um, yeah, no, uh, I love great expectations. I mean, Dickens, nobody could pen them like he can. I mean, he can just connect. That's another thing, and, and I mean, definitely, uh, definitely agree wholeheartedly on that because he was an inc absolutely incredible writer. Um, just to, and his characters, and he knew how to he knew how to write about misery. I will give him that one thing. He was truly new misery. <laughs> yeah, well, we did a, we did a, we did a thing on him. We did a um, a, a classic on on him uh, in one of the social aspects of the show when we did it like a three author thing. So I like to do a little mm -hmm. bit more full broad one of him. But he was the social writer all the way through. That's all he was because he was the guy that uh, when he was a kid, he got pressed to work into the factory because his father got thrown in jail for not paying his debts. So he had to, help, he had to support the family. He never finished school. He learned on his own how to write, and, and he never stopped writing and became one of the most successful and wealthiest writers ever in the history of Britain. And... Not only did he make a positive impact on other writers and in the world with his stories, but he was also a man that, um, you know, he gave his money to charity when he died. To hospitals, schools. I mean, yeah. he didn't play around. Yeah. So the the man lived the way he the way he wrote and, and ultimately the way he died in a, in mm -hmm. a positive way. And he's one of the few writers that you'll ever hear about that has nothing weird going on. 
no affairs, no alcohol, <laughs> no beating, no Satanism on the side. I mean, this was just a straight oh, writing guy, yeah. had a couple whiskeys, went to bed, did it again. I mean, he was just, just about as plain Jane yeah. as you can get, but he made an enormous impact. And he actually lived a, a, a long, longer than most people did. So he, he had a, a long amount of of writing, and, and he had a hell of an impact. And there's that's so many things that he didn't do that didn't have some mm. kind of uh, impact in, in, in the world. And so it's hard to not to be uh, uh, not only impressed with him, but, you know, as a social writer, understand that you can get across certain messages and have some influence. And so I, uh, I always admired him. Uh, yeah, he was absolutely incredible. Um, they said he just get, uh, he just said his writing had a great soul to it. It really did. Uh, it just it, it could take you through the depths of a struggle, but he he usually could get you through it. But he's just an incredible storyteller, um, and it's really nothing more to say on that one. But I mean, it just like Great Expectations will always be my favorite. I mean, I've read that, and um, obviously I did read Oliver Twist and all the other, you know. Like I do know his work. I mean, how could you not? I mean, I loved writing and I loved writers. So, um, yeah, no, just incredible writer and just had that, like I said, he knew how to write about the struggle. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it's like he had that way of, you know, if you look at Christmas Carol, I mean, it's just classic. It's absolutely classic and always connects. And it's, it's, you know, it always will. What I always thought interesting about him too, is that you can tell, from his writing style, if you want to call it, that mm -hmm. he purposely wasn't using high English because this is a man that never even graduated from elementary school. So you'll, you'll notice yeah. as a British writer that in many ways his, his language and his writing style didn't seem all that British. It, it seemed very, very down the level street. <laughs> and, and, and also I kind of gave him a more credibility and I think I gave more of an impact because it's not the same as if you read like uh, even Orwell or, or Huxley, people who actually went to university, and it doesn't mean that because they wrote highbrow that you know they were being they were trying to be dorks, but um, they they simply didn't have the kind of struggle he had. Yeah, it, yeah, he he was uh, again, you know. But then again, that it's you know you as we'll say, you never can teach to be a writer. You know, can't teach somebody to be a writer. He it was just always in him, and he just. Uh, he he got the ball and he ran with it, so to speak. I mean, he really did. <laughs> you know, and wasn't there a controversy? I mean, I think I remember I'd read something about like when he his work he came over to America to visit, and then he got really ticked off because a lot of his books were being black marketed or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if that's true, but I yeah, mean, I, I yeah. What what, what happened was is that Dickens is one of the first writers to talk about how they needed to be an international copyright law. Because he was doing so much good business in Britain, and then when they found out, all they all publisher had to do was go grab it, reprint, reprint it over here in America, and sell it, and not have to give him a dime, not even a dime, just run with the money. So uh, he, yeah. he pressed for that for a long time until it finally came about. But he wasn't the only one too. They did the same thing to Victor Hugo and a number of the British writers. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's terrible. But then again. I'm not surprised <laughs> when it comes to uh, writing and, and publishing and, and things like that. I mean, you know, 
uh, how many writers have do they you know who who are known have had really raw deals and everything. So it's you know. But then again, he did he did do well. Let's you know. It's not like it's not like he yeah, was. Yeah, it wasn't like it was putting him into poverty. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. That's true. It, it, it yeah. wasn't. You know, and a lot of places that did uh, reprint his book, like in France and Germany, I mean, they paid him, and and they put mm -hmm. it in the language. It's just un unfortunately, America was uh, back then mm -hmm. uh, still a, a rough and tumble kind of place, uh, doing all kinds of shady things. So it wasn't surprising. Yeah, no, no, he, he yeah. It's just I've always heard about that, and uh, like I said, I forget where I don't probably watching a documentary on him. Or I think it was like biography when they used to do that all the time. They used to have really good show, uh, shows on there, but they had one on uh, Dickens, and they mentioned that. And I thought, well, well, you know. Another interesting side but, note yeah. that I only only discovered recently, and we'll talk more about it on the sequel mm -hmm. Poe show we want to do. But I never knew mm -hmm. that not only did Poe meet Charles Dickens when he came to America. Dickens agreed mm -hmm. to do an interview with him for the, for this magazine that he was uh, he was editing, and it was unusual because uh, even though Dickens was a very social person, uh, ironically yeah. Dickens didn't like a lot of writers. He thought they were all pompous assholes, and he didn't want to bother <laughs> with them. He was more about the street guy and more about the average reader person, and doing a lecture mm -hmm. and then going going back to his hotel and you know smoking some cigarettes. So he liked Poe because he had read Poe. And uh, so he admired Poe a lot. Poe asked him to try to get him a deal over in England, so you know, to, to get some stuff published. He never was able to able to do that, unfortunately. He did his best. He even wrote him back saying, "I did my best," but you know, they just you know, they're not taking what your stuff yet. Maybe one day. But uh, yeah. he wind up. Check this out. When uh, mm. when Poe died, and uh, one of uh, uh, one of the women that was still with Poe wasn't doing well financially, he wind up writing her and buying some of the stuff that Poe had, had owned book-wise so that she could have some money. So even at the end of um, uh, Poe's existence as a writer, I mean, he still had people out there like Dickens uh, trying to help and do the right thing. So a real testament to somebody who's supposed to be evil Poe and then convince, <laughs> convinces Dickens to go hang out with him and do an interview when, when Dickens really didn't like a lot of writers. He just didn't really care for them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... Uh... Well, you know, talent respects talent, usually. Not always. Yeah, not but... always. Everybody was different. Huxley was different. Huxley was the opposite. Huxley was the kind of guy yeah. that he'd love to talk to you if you were a writer, but if you were like, oh, God, I love you, all this, I love you reading your book, he'd like, just get away from me. He didn't mm -hmm. even want to talk to people who read the book or fans. It was like, That bored him to death. He wanted to talk about <laughs> ideas and techniques and all that kind of stuff. So he was the opposite, yeah. where Dickens wanted to talk to the fans. Huxley's like, uh, the hell with the fans. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, it, to be honest, though, you can kind of understand that in a way. Like, I, I don't. Uh, maybe some people do like. Yeah, I know some people who really do love praise. A lot of times, people aren't that good. Like people, uh, some people I used to deal with, they love praise. And um, but yeah, no. I think uh, some people are very uncomfortable with it. And uh, uh, much like myself, I'm not. <laughs> That's definitely not why I do things, but um, yeah, I can I can respect that. But no, like I said, incredible writer. I guess I need to put another name on the list because I'm having fun with this. I know that, uh, Let's just do one more here before we uh, wrap up. The last one here with John. Um, definitely okay. hear what you have to say since we seem to be surprising ourselves uh, a little bit each time. 
Yeah, well, then again, this one probably will not shock people. But I, I feel bad because we're, we're going to do we're only doing one more. I'll, I'll I have to name this one because it, it won't be the one everybody's going to think. I will say uh, because well, obviously that writer would you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody I hear, him. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, probably the one that I will say that was an enormous, enormous influence on me. And I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I don't care. Um, uh, Richard Brodigan. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, 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 I know Richard Brodigan. Um, like I said, I could go on and on. There's, there's a lot more. There were a few others that probably people would be thrown off by. Uh, uh, John Steinbeck was being one um, that I was an enormous fan of. But um, and I am, I mean, was am, but Brodigan, Brodigan more so than 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 Book was uh the guy that really truly was like the missing piece of the puzzle because I was reading Kerouac and I was reading Bukowski but I did not know Brodigan that well and a friend of mine who passed it he he turned me on to Brodigan and he said well you got to read this and yeah it was just like it was like nothing it was surrealistic it's strange his poetry was so quick and fast. He was just a different character altogether. And I just kind of admired how he could do such different things. If you look at, uh, you know, was it, uh, you know, watermelon sugar and things like the different things he did. Um, I always say I that and I always get it wrong. I think the book is an unfortunate woman was the one that really had the biggest influence on me. I was one that say that's one I wish I took from the library, but I'm the good guy here. I'm not like I'm not like Mark. I don't just take things out of libraries. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I wish I had because that book was a book that kind of it I just loved the way he talked to the page and it was just the one that was like the missing piece of the puzzle for me. So that's why I'm mentioning that name. I've mentioned it before, but that's why I mentioned him now. Yeah, because I just I loved how he just there were no rules for him and he was a different character. Definitely. <laughs> so, I remember when you first mentioned him to me, I don't know, a year or two yeah. ago or something. I'm like, mm-hmm. it, was he related to Laura Brannigan? Because I always thought she was kind of hot, but apparently there's <laughs> different people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had to agree with you on that one, but um, no, he. <laughs> They're not, they're not related, but um, yeah, yeah. Richard Brodigan was was uh definitely uh it for me as far as getting and like I said, most people would think I would mention everybody knows who, um, and definitely huge influence. But Brodigan is more so for me, just because it, he was and he is a bit overlooked when when it kind of comes to discussing those two writers. I think everybody kind of thinks that obviously you get these influences. Oh yeah, well you know, I mean I hate to say it, but it, it's a truth. You know, it's if you even if you look at my writing, you know, there there is a lot of drinking in there. I don't know if anybody's ever noticed that, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's also an aesthetic. It's a it's no different. I mean, if I was working in a hospital, then you know I would be writing about hospital stuff, but I. Hello. Yeah, we're back. 
Hello, here we yeah, are. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's just what I I write what I can relate to, and, and it just uses a backdrop. It's not the main thing, but yeah, broad again. I did like the surrealistic style too that he could do that was really different, and he was a he was a character. So yeah, that's definitely a huge huge influence on me. And couldn't could not mention could not go without mentioning. No, I understand. He's somebody serious for you, so I, I definitely got that. Yeah. And it's good that other people here hear about him. I'm hoping one day that someone does like a little like uh, bio of him, maybe on one of the uh, streaming networks, because you don't mm-hmm. you don't have to do a giant movie and spend lots of money. Sometimes these shows uh, on on those streaming networks like Netflix, Hulu, something like that, you can do a lot of great yeah. you can do a lot of great things with that, and, and not, not at an mm-hmm. enormous cost, and help educate people. So hopefully they do something on this guy so that more people will, will learn about him. All right, folks, don't forget, we still have a, a, a full schedule coming up here in January. Uh, our next show is going to be Essentials for an Independent Author, so that'll be interesting on some of the things that, you know, you could put together, you know, to be an author and how to how to, how to make way with that. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a Metal Future show, me and John, later in the month. Uh, it's going to be Reflections on Rush, uh, particularly uh, with the highlight of Neil Peart, who, uh, the drummer who died of brain cancer only about a week ago. God bless him, one of the greatest drummers mm-hmm. That ever lived and, and a really swell fellow and also a lyricist too wrote almost everything mm-hmm. that band ever put out so uh, an amazing life and an amazing character an amazing musician and also yeah. an amazing writer so it'll be interesting to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about writing and music at the same time we don't get to do that a lot and then of course uh, this show will be on towards the end of the month and then my last show uh, for January will be a, a classic spotlight this one on Jack London you'll probably remember mm-hmm. him from Call of the Wild and White Fang and I don't know what it is, but it was always about some cold Arctic front. Everybody's freezing to death, mm-hmm. and then some cool thing happens. So that was his mm-hmm. thing, though. You know, the, the wilderness and the forest and snowballs and all that. So we'll learn a little yeah. bit about him, a little bit about his personal life and, and some of the stuff he did. But he's definitely in a class by himself because if you think about writers doing those sort of uh, backdrops, I mean, you can't think of anybody but him, really. I mean, mm-hmm. all, all that's left is Dr. Zhivago, and there was no snowballs in that one, you know? So, yeah, and uh, Seawolf as well was another yeah, another is, one he yeah, did. That, I love that book. I'm telling you, it's, uh, definitely it's, got, yeah, it's just yeah. got that whole outdoors <laughs> thing going on there. He's really interesting. Yeah. And we're going to be doing him, and of course, in the months ahead, we're going to be doing C.S. Lewis, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, and a lot of fame of all that. Of course, uh, mm-hmm. I want to do a show on Tolkien. Uh, I'm definitely going to be doing another Poe show. Um, Someone asked me about doing another Huxley show. I don't know. We'll see because I feel I covered a lot of that where I didn't really cover as much as it was Poe. So um, as much as I love Huxley, don't get me wrong, I, if I can't make it interesting or educational enough, then, you know, whether I like the guy or not, it just won't get done. You know, so we got a lot of uh, interesting folks uh, ahead coming up. I've had at least 10 people ask me if I'm going to do Bukowski, but be honest with you folks, <laughs> not only is he not an influence, but... I don't know enough about his background or his writing to really do a show. I have to do a lot of research myself just to try to find something interesting out to, to be able to, to broadcast to people. So I'll consider it if I find something I think. I mean, I know enough about him to, you know, to, to have a small mm-hmm. conversation, but to do an hour show is not the same thing. I usually try to do about people I actually know about. I mean, that's usually how the show works. Yeah, I know a little about him. <laughs> No, I know quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, he yeah, God talk about it. Yeah, 
that we, we're not even gonna go with that influence i get in trouble for that one apparently yeah. <laughs> so i might i might consider it but remember if i do it's going to be on the literary merits it's not going to be about him being half mm-hmm. homeless and sleeping 47 women with 18 bottles of whiskey <laughs> up his butt it's not gonna be any of that kind of stuff it's gonna be something that that had some impact and makes some sense and it's certainly yeah. not coming into that Hollywood ripple craft he did of his stuff because that really doesn't really tell you very much about him at all. And you no. know, you got a you got a half-ass C actor doing doing a half-ass movie about a guy that actually has real literary merit and in many ways is one of the big figures in literature. He's just sort of like uh, underrated and mm. probably misunderstood more than Poe was in many ways. Yeah, because everybody yeah, just talks is. about alcohol and him being a stranger, but you know, he's more than that. Yeah. Yeah, go look at some of the, you know, uh, you know, so you want to be a writer. Go read that. Those are beautiful lines. People overshadowed the fact that the man had a, a really beautiful voice when he really, when not not going into Shinasky stuff, because he knew how to get with people with humor. That's the only bad thing. That's a setback. It's a catch-22 with humor. When you use humor, sometimes people overlook the fact that there's a lot. So you got more depth. You got to be intelligent to be funny. That's the thing. You know, you have to know how to almost work people and make them laugh. And he could do that. And he could also write very deep things, you know, and uh, I'm going to consider it. Mean, though. It's not off my list. It's just I, got, <laughs> I, got, I would have to do some real research, which I normally don't mm. do too much. Oftentimes when I do these writers, these are people I've mm. known in and out for many years. I, I might do a little bit here and there just to pick a few pieces up like, oh, Henry, I had to look into more mm-hmm. of the prison record and what was going on with that and found a lot of things out that I didn't didn't know before. And that was really helpful for the show. But Housky, I probably have to do it from the beginning to the end. I mean, because there's there's a, there's a lot there and I would want to I would want to bring a, you know, a full scope to it all. I don't want to I want to I don't want to have people like that shortchanged, you know, from humor or, or, or from stereotypes or just from other people's. You yeah. know, prejudices, because even if I wasn't into him, doesn't mean he doesn't deserve the, you know, the, the proper, the proper, uh, yeah. you know, uh, appreciation. So I always want to do that. I mean, we can't ask people to respect writers if we don't respect writers ourselves. So let's try to always keep uh, that in mind. All right, folks, uh, if you got any final words there, John? No, I think we 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 covered it all there, my friend. We got a couple glyphs here and there, folks. That's just, you know, the signal. But overall... I think I got like 98% of the show I want, so I, I feel I feel pretty damn confident. Not to mention that I think this is the first time both me and John have new computers on each end, so maybe that's going to help us become better with this stuff. I don't really know, but uh, I'm, there you I'm, go. I'm trying. But, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm changing my computers more than I'm changing my underwear, so I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to stop at one point. Let me catch up to the underwear, you know? Mm. It would be nice. Mm-hmm. And maybe I won't have to sleep yeah. on the couch. <laughs> we are now state. We are state of the art That's here. It, man. We're state of the art, or art of the state, or something like that. All right, <laughs> folks. Uh, uh, until next time. Uh, thank you very much for, for for joining us. I appreciate the letters. Have those continue. Don't forget to check out our our uh, our um our presses. Uh, Whiskey City Press for for John. Uh, for me, uh, Soma mm-hmm. Publishing. Dot com. You can check those out on the internet. See some of the uh, some of the books we have out. I have a a paper out uh, called uh, "Question to Quiet" that, uh, that John uh, so generously uh, published out there. So I appreciate you right. folks with some questions on that, and definitely keep the uh, the emails coming about the shows. And and of course, I like to hear some new things that people have that they want us to think about doing the show on or a new topic or something. 
I'm, I'm open to do something like that as long as it makes sense and I can pull it off, then yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So definitely mm. I keep that in mind. I'm not against it. I'm, and I'm not one of those people that just say something like that and then I get 20 ideas and I throw them out the window. I don't. I do it because it's a nice way to keep people engaged and also because, hey, I can't freaking think of everything, okay? Give me a, give me a break here. <laughs> throw me a bone, damn it, you know? All right, so I don't have any problem with that. All right, folks, God bless. Until next time, this is Strength to be Human, Guest House Edition with John Patrick Robbins and myself here, Mark Anthony Rossi. Have a good evening, and thank you. Adios. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com.